The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blog of the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina here, alongside Aiden Davis, here to give you all the Cowboys news as the offseason is officially over, and the next time we see the Cowboys on the football field, it will be in Oxnard, California, late July training camp. It's the downtime, though. You know, offseason's over, so you can say, okay, we're one step closer. Baden, how do you feel about it? Because now we're, like, in the real quiet period of Cowboys football. I've always wondered, and I want to – maybe you have more insight. What do the players do during this time? Because I'm not I'm not hopefully under Hopefully stay any... out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stay out of trouble, hopefully. You're right. But, like, I'm under no – like, you as a listener, if you're working a 9 to 5 and you have the weekend off, you're not, like – you're not itching to get back to, maybe you are itching to get back to work, but you're not tr- actively trying to do more work. So like, I understand Dak, the receivers, they might be working out occasionally. They might be lifting weights every once in a while, but like, what do the players do? I mean, do if you if you're, yeah, I actually was thinking about this the other day. I was actually looking through some of their Instagrams as just like a fan, you know, I was like, wonder what some of these guys are up to when you see some of the traditional like in the gym and or some people are like on vacation. But that's what I would be doing. Like I would yeah. be getting my vacations in with my family because once July comes around, see you again in March. You know what I mean? So exactly. that's that's a long period to to to, to go and I know everyone works a nine to five and it's nonstop and you know we get little breaks here and there but football is like one of the most physically demanding things you can do so like make the most of your time off I guess is what I'm saying I just like I can't imagine like and I'm sure this isn't the case but like a guy like I don't know like Demarcus Lawrence or Micah Parsons just like yeah I have five hours left to my day I've already done my daily workout time to just watch netflix for five hours like that just seems so weird to me to think of like these nfl players who are just monstrous human beings like larger than life just chilling for two that, months you know, know it always makes me laugh that's funny because i i think about that too when whenever i hear like a a professional athlete and like one of these bigger athletes talk about like the series that they're into or like the shows that they're watching i'm like and I forget because it, maybe it's stupid fan in me, but I'm like, when do you have the time to like sit down and binge watch a series? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know they're normal people. They, you know, they play a sport and they make good money, but I'm like, yeah, like, oh, you're watching that show too. Like, I guess we're not all that different. Like 
we know that Jamal Williams now of the New Orleans Saints has plenty of time to watch anime and watch <laughs> like all that. Like he is an avid anime. So I'm I don't know. It's just it's weird when you that stuff starts to come out where you're like, oh, yeah, you're just a normal human being who enjoys normal stuff like every other human being that's ever existed. Yeah, I I, I think I might have mentioned this and maybe I maybe I didn't. But when I went to Florida and I came back on our airplane and tell me and stop me if I've already said this, but we were in the airport in the Fort Lauderdale airport. And do you know who Kid and Play is? Like the group? Kid, kid and Play? Kid and Play. So this is, I'm dating, so. I'm, listen, this is older than me. And so I know it's older than you. Um, There's a, there used to be a movie called House Party and LeBron actually like remade it. And so, and it was like this rap group called Kid and Play. Well, I, I saw Kid from Kid and Play <laughs> at the airport and like, I noticed him, we made eye contact. I threw him a head nod and just kept it moving because even though he's a celebrity and I wanted to go up and like dap him up and get a picture. I was like, he's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's just trying to get to his terminal. I'm not going to bother this guy, but I wanted him to know, like I noticed him noticing me and like we noticed each other and I, I tweeted at him and he liked it. So I think that was like our fist bump right there. I, so I was at a, a place in Austin a couple weeks ago and I see, I'm not going to name the celebrity, but it's a, a notable actor he walks in name drop like, him i i no i'm not gonna <laughs> but like i like this actor and like he's like i'm like oh no way he's, he's in here so i all i'm like but i gotta play it cool i'm not gonna ban ban guy over this person so what i do is i go up to the bar i order two drinks and to make this view two cranberry just two cranberry juices to keep it family safe <laughs> and i just i walk over him i'll walk over to him hand him the drink and then just walk away. And I just wow. thought I was like, I, th I think that's the best way to play it in that. That's case. cool. Did he like he yeah. drank it? Yeah, he drank it. Wow. That's I, I'm going to ask you off air who it was, because that's awesome. Yeah. That's a really cool. Strategy. I might try that if I wasn't married with like a an actress. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here's a drink. I'm going to walk away like you either love that or you hate it either way. But... I just like he just like at first he he like saw me. He's like, oh, great. He's I'm gonna have to talk and I just hand him the drink. I was like, okay, I think that's like the best you can do. Like, I think that's I don't I know. I think that's you show respect. You say, Hey, I know who yeah. you are. Here's a drink because I respect your work, but I'm not gonna bother you because you're just another guy like I am. I think that's I think that's well handled. I think that's a great way to do it. Thank you. Speaking you of think... well handed, oh sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, nope. I'm not gonna interrupt your segue. <laughs> do it. It's a little segue there. See, sometimes, and that's why they're bad segues because you don't know when they're coming. But speaking of a guy handling business and doing things the right way, we're going to lead off the show here talking about Eric Scott Jr. and literally all the minicamp hype we've been getting and hearing about him. Uh, before we kind of get into it too deeply, if you hadn't heard, Eric Scott's getting first team reps at corner. He's getting his praises sung by Mike McCarthy and staff. Like this guy is a sixth round draft pick who played in like the NFL PA bowl and like really didn't have much of, you know, draft profile. Like people that he we wasn't respect. on Dane Brugler's big board. Exactly. That's exactly what I was getting at. Like people we respect well, like didn't even have a profile on him. So for him to be getting the praise now, Mike McCarthy, there's like 90 guys there. I think it's actually 88 right now. They haven't filled a couple of spots, but there's 88 guys he could call out and he's saying Eric Scott jr. So the, the hype he's getting is, I think you have to buy into it and read into it. But I wanted to ask you, Aiden, what is your initial thoughts about the Eric Scott hype train that's building? So when we drafted Eric Scott, when we did our analysis of, I think we graded every pick in the Cowboys draft. I gave, I think I gave the Eric Scott pick like a B plus or an A minus something that like 
and that's not I'm not a I'm not taking a victory lap here. We haven't seen the guy play a snap of football and B that a minus slash B plus grade wasn't based off of his talent whatsoever or based off any highlights I'd seen of him because me like most of America had not seen any highlights of him. The reason that I gave that such a high grade is because there's something about I just trust Dan Dan Quinn drafting cornerbacks. And I know like, yeah, you have the niche on right pick, but like I think it was last year after they they hit on Deron Bland in the fifth round. I just trust like a pick like this where it's like, oh, that's really weird. But the fact that it's weird almost makes me believe in it more because it's the Cowboys clearly saw something in Eric Scott during the draft. They didn't wait until undrafted free agency. They didn't even wait until the seventh round to take him, which almost 100% guaranteed he would have been there in the seventh round. It, this was a guy that they pursued in the draft. And so for that reason, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to buy in on the Eric Scott. Now, do I think he's going to be the starter for week one? No, but I mean, I'm, I'm buying into this hype a little bit. It's interesting. Like I'm looking at the profile. I know Dane Brugler didn't have it. And I mean, he does an absolute great job with the beast yeah. that he does every year, but they do have an analysis here on NFL.com from Lance Erline. And um, he said just, you know, over some of his strengths. Well, first off, he he had him projected as a priority free agent, so he didn't have him as a draft pick, which is fine. I saw somebody talking about the other day how the NFL is kind of shifting how they're treating their sixth and seventh round picks as like, we're not going to fight for players anymore. Let's just use these last picks to take the guys that we want and don't have to get into negotiation battles. And, you know, in a lot of instances, this isn't the best, I like best scenario for players, because as you get late in the draft, you might want to be a free agent and pick your spot with the best scenario. In this, in this instance, they didn't let Eric Scott get to that point. But when you talk about his strengths, you'll hear and you'll think about Dan Quinn and you'll and you'll say, OK, I understand yep. that because you look at some of his strengths by Lance Erline here. Big, long cornerback with untapped press potential, explosive tester with 39 and a half inch vertical leap and 11 foot one broad jump looks to jump underneath routes from zone shuffle bodies up targets and challenges the catch squeezes vertical routes and will find football when he's in position equipped to jump off the edge when diagnosing run. Like, I mean, could there be anything that's more Dan Quinn than those strengths listed right there? No. And that's what it, this to me, every player that the Cowboys took in this draft was just stereotypical Cowboys, even down to like the, not the super, like more of a slow, like the tight end Luke Schoonmaker that they drafted. Like to me, that was a very Dallas Cowboys tight end. He's not yeah. going to have speed. He's not going to be able to line up in the slot, but he's just a very stereotypical, and Eric Scott fits that mold perfectly too, where it's like, yeah, this is a Cowboys draft pick. They, I do want to point out, Eric Scott was taken before Deuce Vaughn, which I think everybody has fallen in love with by this point. Like right. Eric Scott, they saw as a higher priority than Deuce Vaughn, who now is, I think everybody is like, everybody's buying into the Deuce Vaughn hype because A, it's a good story, and B, Deuce Vaughn's fun to root for. But Eric Scott was the name above Deuce Vaughn on their big board. Yeah. And you know what? And maybe the, a real quick answer, because I have a couple other points I want to talk to you about this. But who do you think has a bigger of the two six round picks? Who has a bigger impact in year one? Do you think Deuce or, or Eric Scott? I'm still giving it to Deuce just because the running back room, I think, is a little bit shallower than the cornerback room. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a little closer than people expect, though. But I, I, I do agree. I think Deuce will find a way to carve out a niche. But, you know, that's that's nothing against Eric Scott, because six rounders. 
doing something at all is like a big deal. And I think that the Cowboys have come too that can really do that. So, um, you know, as we kind of look at it, his situation, they're talking him up. And we've heard guys get talked up in minicamp and training camp all the time. But how much is it really worth is the question. So I want to ask you, is there really room for him in the rotation? Like you just mentioned, the cornerback room is deep. Like I'll ask you the two part then. Is there room for him and who's the bat? Who's the odd man out if he is? I do think there's room for him. As we saw last year, the Cowboys, like, cornerback depth is a real thing. You need cornerback depth to succeed in the NFL. It all it takes is one injury, and it's like, I mean, knock on wood, I really, really hope this doesn't happen, but Trayvon Diggs goes down to injury. He's out two, three weeks. Like, Stephon Gilmore, and then who? Deron, like, Deron Bland, cool, I trust him. I'd prefer to keep him in the slot, so you're going to need somebody to step up. Outside of that, like we saw them test Kelvin Joseph. Izzy has some potential at cornerback, which I hope we see more of this year. But like there's absolutely room for somebody like Eric Scott to compete to be a, a he's going to be competing for a backup position. But there's absolutely room for that competition because cornerback depth is something that the Cowboys witnessed last year is very important. And in terms of who he's pushed, I, I think Kelvin Joseph is the big red flag. Like, yeah. If I'm sounding the alarm, it's. Oh, if Eric Scott can beat out Kelvin Joseph, I think there's a very real chance that Kelvin Joseph's not on this roster because Eric Scott's going to be playing special teams. He's going to take over that Kelvin Joseph role. Yeah, we had talked about it, I think, last week where we were saying, you know, uh, Kelvin Joseph's in a little bit of trouble because now he's in the find a find a spot situation where it's like, hey, maybe safety. Hey, maybe nickel corner. Like, what can we do to keep you on this roster? Because it's going to have to be more than special teams for a second round pick here. So, yeah. um, yeah, he's definitely in danger. I think Eric Scott can can do some nice things. I put up a tweet when we drafted him about he was going at it East West Shrine game practices with Zay Flowers and Zay Flowers that you know how I felt about him. So, you know, Zay Flowers and him duking out in practice with reps. Eric Scott holds his own. So I think he's not going to shy away from this. I think being in the room with guys like CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, like going against those guys in training camp is going to be exactly what this guy needs to be ready. So I think him in the rotation is a real possibility. Now, you know, we're, we're realists. We're not going to sit here and blow smoke. I think um, there's, there's expectations to be hampered here, but the fact that we're talking about him in this light is is encouraging, right? Because, again, the match, bring back to what I said, Mike McCarthy didn't have to mention him, but he did. So we have to sit here and take that word for what it is. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Kelvin Joseph. I'd say, you know, I you say Kelvin Joseph, I raise you Jordan Lewis. I mean, Jordan Lewis, they already said uh, last week, Mike McCarthy, that it's looking like Jordan Lewis is probably going to start on the pup list. And so right off the bat, not not healthy, right? De- going through the situation, trying to fight through his uh, his injury there. Um, at the same time, you know, it, it's one of those situations where your best ability is availability. And, and Jordan Lewis is a contract that's easy to get from underneath. So this young guy's coming in. Um, if they're getting praise and they're playing well and they're cheaper, I mean, the rest is kind of history. We know how that usually plays out. So I have a two-part question to piggyback off this conversation for you. Number one, how many cornerbacks do you think we walk into week one with on the 53-man? There's two, three. I would say six. I'd, I Yeah, I think a six is a good ballpark. Do you th- What are the odds that both Jordan Lewis and Trayvon Diggs are not on that? Or it's not. Sorry. Ooh. Jordan Lewis. And, yeah, zero percent chance that happens. <laughs> what are the odds that? Jordan Lewis and Kelvin Joseph are not on that 53 man roster week one. Assume, mm. and by the way, if he starts on the pup, which it looks like, I, I'm going to count like Jordan Lewis is just a straight cut. We don't even bother putting him on pup. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a real possibility. I think I it's, agree. I, it's higher than 50% in my mind. 
I think it's a little bit lower than 50%. I think the Cowboys still have a little bit faith in Jordan, a little bit of faith in Jordan Lewis to produce. I think they'd be willing to stick him on pup and wait that one out. Well, technically but, he wouldn't be on the 53 if he's on pup. Yeah, but I'm counting. No, I'm counting more of like the Cowboys just decided to cut bait uh, Jordan sure. Lewis and I even mess around, putting like, does that yeah. change your percentages? Yeah, a little bit because I, like you said, they do respect the veteran presence. And I know that yeah. they, I mean, think about it. The guy got hurt intercepting the football so like he you know yeah. he's he made a play and it ended his season and it's affecting his 2023 so um yeah i think there's i think there's a section of the fan base that like is okay with losing jordan lewis and there's an other section that see his gritty toughness but he also doesn't fit the mold of what they do at the cornerback position anymore so if if he fights and finds a way to get healthy and and and, and produce I mean, that's the only way he's going to have to make it because he's almost kind of like the odd man out in the in the body frame style that they have there now. To me, it's just like we're talking about a guy who Jordan Lewis, who was I mean, people were arguing when two years ago when it was Jordan Lewis, Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown, like there was a real argument that Jordan Lewis was the second best cornerback on this roster. I know you being the Anthony Brown diehard fan would disagree, (laughs) but. I mean, there the, the argument was to be had, and now we're talking about Jordan Lewis as a guy who, like, I mean, I'm not like even if Jordan Lewis starts on pup, we keep him around and he's gets to healthy. Like, I'm not like, yeah, we get Jordan Lewis back. I'm like, okay, cool, that's a nice, nice depth right. piece to have. But I think it's a good position to be in. Yeah, right? I, yeah, absolutely. If you can lose quality guys, you know, even just okay guys, and be okay with that, like, it's a good thing. It's a good spot yeah. to be in when you can, like, you make. The harder the decisions are, the better your football football team is. Like when that cut down gets tough and you're really like got guys banging on the table for certain players, like and you got to make a tough decision. That's just the that's just the sign of a good football team in my mind. Yeah. So real quick, we've done this with the running backs. Give me your top give me your top five cornerbacks on the roster right now. In order. Ooh. Well, the easy one, obviously, will bang out Diggs, Gilmore, yep. Jerron Bland. Um yep. man. Give me Eric Scott. Uh, are we are we putting a six I mean, round Eric a, Scott at number four? I'm gonna right read now? the tea leaves. I'm gonna read the tea I, leaves. In this hypothetical, Jordan Lewis is off pop and he's healthy. Okay, man. I think in this in this instance, Jordan Lewis would stick around if he's healthy. I think he ends up being four because they I can agree. if if they need to, they can put Lauren, uh, Lewis inside and they can move around Bland outside and then so then five would be Eric Scott and then six would would be Nation right. Yeah, so you're putting Nation above Kelvin? I think at this point, I think the team has as well. Yeah. I if you want to get a little bit spicy with it, I think number my number 4 might be Izzy. Oh. Number yeah. 4 Izzy, number 5 Jordan Lewis, number 6 Eric Scott, which pushes out yeah. both Nashawn and Kelvin. I mean, I think that's that might be a real conversation to be had. You know, there's I, I mean, yeah. these are guys that do you remember last year's training camp? They were like, Nation Wright is the better of the second round picks. Like, but they yeah. both look like they're doing some things. And then all of a sudden, you know, that Jacksonville game happened and Nation Wright was a little timid in his opportunities. So it, it'll be it'll be fun to see. I mean, it, it, we praise Dan Quinn, we praise his team, how they draft. They've had some misses, and that's kind of these two yeah. guys is what we're talking about. And just the one the one last thing I'll say about how this cornerback room will shake out. I do think the fact that Jordan Lewis, Deron Bland, and Izzy are all primarily slot guys helps out Calvin Joseph and Nashawn yeah. Wright a little bit. 
Right. And there's also the special teams element. So, exactly. you know, yeah. I think Kelvin Joseph is, I know he had some penalties. I know he's a bonehead thing sometimes, but he, he showed some real ability at special teams at times. So I think, especially um, at the end of the year. And they always say, if you're going to be at yeah. the bottom end of the roster, you got to know how to play special teams. So at least he, at least he embraced that. And I think that's something he's good at, but um, I digress um, onto our second topic here. And I think this is a fun one here. So what we're going to do here is I tasked tasked Aiden with giving us three unanswered questions. I'm going to fire off three. He's going to fire off three. We're going to discuss them. Just three unanswered questions about this team heading into training camp. Like I said, we're in the dead period. Um, The Cowboys won't be playing again or getting on the field until July. And as we get to this period here, what has in your mind, Aiden, your first thing that the Cowboys have kind of left unanswered for us? Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, I'm just going to knock out the really easy one. I'm going to say who in the who's going to be kicking the ball for us next year. And yep. why Why is it only going to be Viscano? Like, is that our only? Can't are we going right? to walk? Yeah. No, please don't let it be Dallas. If, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, if you're listening, don't let Viscano be the only person walking into training camp. But that's to me, that's number one is why are we doing absolutely nothing to address the kicker position? Like I get I get it. You can hold that little tryout at training camp, but why have we, why do we all have no idea who's going to be kicking the ball for us next year? I totally agree. And I'm going to wrap mine into that. Cause that was one of my three. It wasn't my first three, but I might as well throw it in the buck bucket with you. And I, and I worry about that too. Like I'm not worried in the sense that I think that they're, they're going to add a piece to the puzzle, but they're like scouring USFL, the scouring some of the XFL, but Robbie Gold's out there, and I believe Mason Crosby's still out there. So, like, where do they take it? Is it Tristan Viscano's job to lose, and they're going to bring in a USFL guy who's a young leg to compete in camp? Or is Tristan Viscano that young leg that's going to compete with a Robbie Gold and a Mason Crosby and somebody who's more established? Because that will tell me a lot of things. I mean, how seriously are they taking this, this search? I mean, they got what we talked about it last week, over $20 million to spend. If you need to spend a little more coin to find a kicker, I think it might be worth it. And this is a real head scratch. This might be a low-key one of the biggest issues that they got going on heading into camp. Well, I mean, yeah, you, I, I understand. Like, you don't really want to dump a lot of money into the kicker position, especially if it's over multiple years. But names like Robbie Gould and Mason Crosby are free agents right now, and there's no way, no way Jerry's looking at guys like Mason Crosby and um, Robbie Gould and saying, nah, I, I think Viscano's the guy. I think, I think we're good just walking into camp. Like, 
come on kickers at the very at the very most like we're talking about four million dollars ish right and sign to one year deals then you can figure this you can kick the can down the road another year right and I, so just for camp body purposes they're gonna bring a guy in it's just like yeah. just because they need you know they're gonna give one guy a rest somebody's gonna kick a little more than the other guy so there'll be somebody in here it's just like what like who and when you know what i mean like and I want to actually ask you this: Brett Maher is available too. Do you do you bring? Why that not? Back? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. That was the most painful thing trying to watch him kick a football in the playoffs. It, it was like if you asked me to kick a football for the in the playoffs, like, yeah, I could probably do about what Maher did. But at this point, yeah, he's he's one of the better options available. And I'll also, like, to me, it's wild because we went through the same exercise last year. Like, remember in camp we brought. Garibay and who else? Who was the other kicker Jonathan that we brought Garibay in? Because it wasn't Maher. It no, was man. It was feels like a fever uh, dream at this point. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it was some. The point is, is that you brought two guys into camp. Nothing. None, neither of them worked out because what we saw during camp, it's like both of them went like fifty percent today in camp. We can't trust either oh, of them to it, kick footballs uh, for it. Nagar was it? Not, it was, was it, Nagar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yes. pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, so. Yeah. I mean, the point is that, like, you can't, like, you just went through this last year in training camp. Why do you want to do it again? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, kicker is, um, I'll roll this into my my question here, but kicker is right up there with my first question is, what the hell are we going to do with the offensive line? You know what I mean? So, like, yep. we have, in my mind, the five guys, but it's not that simple. It's Terrence Steele is not healthy. Tyron Smith is, you know, can air market that it's going to, he's not going to be healthy at some point. You know, what do they do with left guard? If Tyler Smith kicks back outside, we haven't really heard who's like the leader in the clubhouse at left guard. If it isn't Tyler Smith, is it Matt? Well, let's go. Is Matt, let's go the first tackle in. Like what happens if Zach Martin goes down? What happens if Tyler Biosch goes down? Is Matt Froniark in the game? Like, you know, is, you know, is it uh, Chuma Udoga in the, in the mix? Like is Josh Ball here? It's, there's just so many questions about this offensive line. Because and it all kind of surrounds around health, because if it's all clean and it's a clean slate and everything is perfect, the five guys are there. But of course, in, in classic Cowboys style, that's not at all how it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I came up with four questions because like for an example like this, I knew that we were going to be on the same page for one. One of my questions was going to be, are the Cowboys once again mistakenly relying on a clean bill of health from the offensive line? And it yeah. almost feels like they are. One guy I don't think we've actually, because we've talked touched on the offensive line the last few weeks. One guy we haven't touched on, and I want to get your thoughts. Have you heard anything about Asim Richards? And if, like, how, are, are the Cowboys are the Cowboys relying on, like, is he going to definitely be a 53-man guy? Like, you need Asim Richards at this point? Because it almost feels like, I mean, Chuma Do- like you said, Chuma Doga, Matt Wolesko, Josh Ball, I mean, you can, Matt Farniak, you can throw them all into, like, the, okay, sure, offensive lineman yeah like asim richards is at least the one guy where you're like he hasn't proven anything bad yet like he hasn't done anything bad for us yet so yeah maybe. and i and he's done nothing bad yet and i would raise it and this doesn't mean anything it's mini camp so don't put any real stock into it at one point he was the first team left tackle in mini camp reps okay so like yeah he's getting tackle reps he's getting guard reps i think the way they value rookies and the way they value those contracts like if him and Udoga or any veteran is close, they're going to lean with the Seam Richards. So I think I, he's about as close to a lock as he could be, I think, at that point. But 
again, he's in the he's in the mix. Like there's if if Tyler Smith is in your left guard, you got a pool of like three or four guys where you're gonna have to figure this thing out. And the one benefit of a Seam Richards, and I'm not sure how he's progressing at tackle. I don't know if it does, it does, it seems like relying on a fifth round tackle. If Tyron Smith or Terrence Steele were to go down to injury, that seems like a scary proposition. But the one benefit that I think Asim Richards actually has over, I'd argue against anybody else, is the fact that I think his flexibility is the best on this team. Like we've, yeah. he's he already has that tackle guard flexibility instead of us trying to say, well, like Josh Ball, can you be flexible and play guard and tackle? Right. Matt, well, let's go. Do we have this flexibility? Like, Asim Richards, I think, has already proven that he has that flexibility, which I think gives him a little bit of a leg up. And granted, I know nothing about how he's done it in practice so far, so I have no idea. Right. And so I I think they draft with that in mind. They want guys who are versatile, that shows the body style, to be able to do both. And I think it's interesting. I mean, growing up, when I studied offensive line play, and that's pretty much what my brother was like, what I spent a lot of time on, the body style of what a guard used to be was like this strong bull like you know a little shorter a little muscular a little like thicker in the middle and but now you're seeing taller guys play inside then you're able to kick outside still have the athleticism to play tackle and and more teams cowboys specifically are looking for guys who are able to show the athleticism to do both like the 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 play left tackle to right tackle is completely different it's so different and then imagine learning guard and playing right guard next week your left guard and so it's the cowboys find these guys who are not only athletically inclined, but at the same time, like the cerebral is all held too, because these yeah. guys are going to be able to absorb it all. Protections changed, footwork changed, technique changed. So um, if nothing else, they're trying to find smart football players. Yeah, We've talked about the offensive line a lot. So I want to, let's summarize everything we've talked about. I want you to give on a scale one to 10, how confident are you in this offensive line going into next year? And let's play the hypothetical game of, Tyron Smith gets injured. Uh, Tyler Smith has to flex out to tackle. Who is your who is your early way too early prediction for the guard, left guard? So ooh, that's a good question. So I would say, if healthy, I'm like an eight point five to a nine. I think this offensive line can do their thing if they're all healthy. If the ev- inevitable Tyron Smith injury goes down and happens, I am that drops to like a like a five and and I think the first guy that would get a crack at it would probably be in my mind a Matt well let's go because I think he's the next best offensive line men in that group whatever the position is and I think that's why they want to see him at guard because I think they believe in his skill more than some of those guys there yeah I my answer for how confident I am in the offensive line I'm just putting it at a straight five because I'm Ooh. like I'm almost banking, like I'm banking on something happen. And granted, maybe Tyron Smith has a clean bill of health. Maybe, maybe Terrence Steele plays all 17 games. That's there's, a, there's a world where that exists. But you can't tell me that nobody's getting injured on this offensive line. You can't tell yeah. me that Tyler Biotish sprains his ankle. He's out two weeks at some point. Like stuff like this happens. The offensive line at some point. I can promise you this. At some point, somebody on the offensive line is going to get injured. So because of that, and because of the backup options we just talked about i'm at a five automatically yeah in terms of who i think who my prediction for the backup is i I could spin my wheel and just give a random shot in the dark but i almost want to say a seam richards because i think they value youth Mm. and i man i don't know it's he's a fifth round pick though so (laughs) i might i guess my pick would be a seam richards but i really have no clue 
Understood here. So uh, question two, Aiden, what do you have? What's your second question uh, heading into training camp? Yeah, I'm going to, this one is one that I've been internally debating the last couple weeks. Do the Cowboys have too many defensive ends, knowing that Mike is now a full-time defensive end? You know D-Law is going to be playing 70, 80% of snaps if he's not at defensive end. The rest of the snaps he'll likely be playing at defensive tackle. Sam Williams is apparently looking very good at defensive end, and they're going to want to get him more reps. So, like, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, like, do they just have too many defensive ends, too many mouths to feed? And if so, do you think we should ship one of them off? Would we be better served shipping off and just capitalizing on the value and getting, i.e., the conversation we just had, a backup left left guard. I think that's a perfect question because it is unanswered and we won't know until they put the pads on and start working through it because you're absolutely right. If if it's an embarrassment of riches and like I know that we always say like, well, you you, you need to have talent and depth because injuries happen, but you're right. If they're at the point now where there's just too many decent defensive linemen, where can you advance this team that you're probably lower on, right? Like, and then the question again, because there are other questions to this is what do you get? What's your target? Like if you're going to give up a Dante Fowler, like what do you want in return for that? Right? Like, cause there are some untouchable guys on there. And I think Sam Williams is to that point. So yeah. who's that, you know, a veteran like Dante Fowler can go in and help a team out. Like, I don't know, like Cleveland or, you know what I mean? Somebody like a Houston. Um, but like, what's the target in your mind? Like right now, what you don't know, what position group are you looking for to upgrade if you're getting rid of one of these guys? I'm literally shopping backup left guards. I'm just looking at a roster and saying, is, hey, you have a decent backup left guard. Can we give you a guy like, I mean, there's a chance if you, if you take Dorrance Armstrong and you throw in a pick, you could get a low quality starter. I mean, maybe mm. maybe that's lofty thinking. Maybe that's me valuing Dorrance Armstrong a little bit too much. But that's yeah, what I'd be sacks doing. last year. So. No, exactly. I mean, yeah, Dorrance Armstrong stud. I agree with you. Sam Williams is untouchable, especially after what we've been the rumblings we've been hearing lately. But if you can tell me we can shore up the offensive line a little bit more if we give up Dante Fowler, Dorrance Armstrong, which both guys I love, but I think at the end of the season they might incrementally add one two sacks in order to shore up the offensive line i'm giving that up yeah I, you know i think that's a reasonable thought i think most people think the biggest hole in this team is the offensive line that's why we spend as much time on it yeah. as we did um this is a good football team and i think there's really only two spots that could really derail this thing kicker which we talked about first excuse me in the offensive line as a whole but specifically the left guard spot because um Everywhere else is pretty deep. It's pretty stacked with elite talent. Like, this is a good Cowboys football team, and you would hate to see one of these less premier positions really derail it. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, what's your next question? So, it's, it's, this is funny. I mean, it's not, it's not like a deep question, but we hear them talking about the Texas Coast offense, right? That's their new say that Dak Prescott's talking about, and it's the new moniker, and everybody's talking about it. But what exactly is that going to look like, right? Because we got two contrasting styles, and that's kind of where I want to kind of focus on is I know most people like heard, heard Mike McCarthy say like, oh, we're going to run the football, and that's the strength of our team. But nothing in Mike McCarthy's history tells you that he's a running back or a running guy. He yeah. throws the football. He's got the West Coast principles. He's somebody who likes to, you know, attack the, you know, attack the football vertically. 
And then you got a guy in the new offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, who loves to run the football. You know what I mean? So these are two different contrasting styles. And then you hear Mike McCarthy say, you know, and I don't think it's a shot at Kellen Moore, but you hear Mike McCarthy say, we're about to run the offense that we wanted to run for the first time this year. So I read into that and I'm like, what does he mean by that? Now the also Dak Prescott says, most of what we do is still here. So 70% of their offense is still the same, different verbiage, a little different. But what exactly in your mind, Aiden, and this is a question we'll learn, is it going to look like? Is it going to look too different? Are we expecting something different here? What is this Texas Coast offense going to look like? I think this is the number one most unanswered question. Like, I think like if you, yeah, this is the perfect mo- most unanswered question because we're not addressing a position group here. We're not addressing like kicker. We're right. addressing an entire offense. And my flat out answer is I have no clue what this <laughs> offensive philosophy is going to be next year. Like selfishly, I really want to believe that this is going to be like a, a, even an even more aired out offense than it was under Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore, yes, he really liked to pass the ball, but there he was also like, if you look at his rushing attempts per game, it's not like the Cowboys were falling at dead last in the league. Even like rushing percentage, the yeah. Cowboys were still running the ball at a pretty decent clip. So like me, like selfishly, I'm like Mike McCarthy, he's gonna come in here and Dak Prescott's good throw for five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns, win MVP, CD Lamsey catch for two thousand yards, set records, and like that's what I want to believe. But then I see Brian Schottenheimer. I see some of like the comments you made about Mike McCarthy wanting to run the ball a little bit, and like I, I, I can't help start seeing like I'm seeing smoke, and I really don't want there to be fire. But I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe at this point because it's just like you said, two completely contrasting ideas. The fact that they didn't address the running back position at all this offseason, outside of franchise tagging Tony Pollard and taking a six round running back. I mean, what do we believe? Right. And, you know, kind of talk about it. And this kind of, it's in the past now, so we don't got to harp on it. But how many times do we see 12 personnel with Noah Brown being the one of the wide receivers? He comes in motion. You know, it's going to be a run right up the gut. Like it was everybody in the planet who watched any any bit of Cowboys football knew when Noah Brown was coming in motion in tight, they were going to hand the rock to Ezekiel Elliott. So Ezekiel Elliott ain't here. Noah Brown ain't here. Kellen Moore ain't here. Right. So right there. I mean, this is a different offense. This is a different style. They're playing with more speed. They got Brandon Cooks in the fold. Tony Pollard's number one. They draft a guy like Deuce Vaughn. So I'm I'm expecting, and I I I forgot who had it, and I'll find it and I'll tweet it out. But somebody had talked about that, like over fifty. I think it might have been sixty percent of uh, Brian Schottenheimer's called runs for his own plays. So if there's own stretching, getting out in space, using the speed, using athleticism. That's a different style than what we're expecting with, you know, Ezekiel Elliott in between the in between the numbers. Um, we do have the ability to kind of play that tough nose football, but Mike McCarthy and a lot of people believe that Dak Prescott is is like that guy. He needs to show it. I know last year you got, you know, a lot of people soured on him. I'm not one of those people. I think that Dak Prescott has all the ability in the world. He has the quarterback in Mike McCarthy's mind that he can go out there and sling this thing. So I think there may be some of that. But to bring it back to the whole question, like the fact that we have so many unanswered and we just don't know and what do we expect and what are we going to see? It's the first time with the new offensive coordinator in a while. It's Mike McCarthy calling plays by, for all intents and purposes, his job. You know, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see. And at the end of the day, it's um, it's going to be something really to watch when, when they get there in July. 
And I do think, like, you brought up the good point in terms of the zone rush. A, number one, we're. I think two things are for sure going to happen in the running game in terms of what we can guarantee. Not, I don't want to guarantee anything, but in terms of what's, like, close to 100% inevitable in terms of how this offense will look, number one, we're going to see a lot less rushes up the gut, not only because of the fact that like like you said, with Kellen Moore, it was getting a little bit too predictable, and I think Brian Schottenheimer is going to be a little bit more creative than that. But also, Tony Pollard is not... He's not going to be the... We've talked about it before. He's not going to be like the 15 carries right up the gut type of guy, because that's where he's going to be least effective. Brian Schottenheimer is going to want to get him in space, let him use his speed, let him use his agility and his ability to break defenders' ankles, for lack of a better term. And I think... So that's one thing that I think is guaranteed. And number two... I just think we're going to see overall more creativity in the run game. And this is something that Brian Schottenheimer and the other guys on the offense have actually already talked about is the fact that we don't know what the divide between running and passing is going to look like. But I think overall, the rushing game, we're going to see better efficiency in the rushing game, which is a great thing. I mean, I would love if they were more efficient running the ball. I totally agree. And I remember we had talked about it a few episodes ago, how Brian Schottenheimer said it was like a no ego type of offense. Like he's coming in here, understanding that there's playmakers and that there are guys that they can build around. He doesn't have to go in here and reinvent the wheel. I love that. If, if Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCarthy are on the same page with the, uh, with the common goal of, you know, going out there and have the best offense to win a championship, nobody's trying to like flex their muscle. And like, this is my offense and this is what I want. Like, just work on what's the best plan of attack for that week and that week's opponent using your team strengths. I really think that the Cowboys can do some special things on offense. I mean, there is some levels to this offense. CD Lamb is, you know, growing up before our very eyes, right? And then you got Brandon Cooks, who even in minicamp is stretching the field like we haven't seen in a long time. And then Michael Gallup's talking about he's springy and more healthy. And then Tony Pollard and Malik Davis and Rico Dowell are a real conversation. What is Ronald Jones doing? You know, we got these tight ends who are young and, and, you know, kind of, you know, like they're just young. You know what I mean? You just love the energy and the athleticism that they bring. I think there's some really exciting elements to this offense, but to bring it back to that question is what does it all mean? Right. What is it all going to look like? Yep. And I think that segues perfectly into my last question here. So, can Tony Pollard shoulder the burden of being a workhorse running back, which we haven't seen him do over a 17-game mm. stretch, especially if Mike McCarthy, let's assume in this hypothetical, Mike McCarthy wants to run the ball under Kellen Moore. Do you trust Tony Pollard to be a workhorse back? Because I know we trust the names on the back end, like me and you, but the general consensus, if you said we, like, the Cowboys' depth po after Tony Pollard is Ronald Jones, Rico Dowdle, Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in the general non-Dallas Cowboys community. So can Tony Pollard be a workhorse running back? I think he can, and I think there's a lot of external... I mean, it's a question that has to be answered, right? For the sake of the segment, yep. that's a 100% question. Like, it's his is his show. It's never been his show before. Now, this is his group. These are his guys. He's a leader of that room. That's important. That's a huge change. I know him and Zeke were tight, and this team has a really good locker room with guys that really like each other. But how do newfound leaders... You know, take on that challenge. Now, with that being said, Tony Pollard on the football field is not a small guy. Six foot, 209 pounds, yep. strong guy. But because of his play style, I think he people think he's smaller than he is. You know, he can get it 
if he has to in between the tackles, but that's not his home. That's not his thing. It doesn't have to be. It, it's not even necessarily like a knock on him. It's just, he's so much better on the edge with some space. Um, I do think he can do it, but the external motivation is why I, I'm banking on it because this is his first chance. He's playing under the franchise tag. If he has a bad season, that could be it, especially at the running back spot. We're talking about guys who, you know, we respect making three, four, five million dollars that we had talked about, um, Dante Foreman getting $2 million last year and having a quality year for the yeah. Carolina Panthers. So the money just isn't there. I think Tony Pollard comes into an offseason for the first time in his life as the main guy, understanding what it is he has to do to contain and continue this career at the pace he wants it for the money he wants it. And I think that's a real driving force for this guy. That's that's the human element, element right? We don't we talk about football, we talk about X and O's, we talk about fandom, but these are real guys trying to make real careers and real earnings. I, I think that's a real power powerful motive for anybody. And yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. Like I Overall, I do trust Tony Pollard to be the workhorse guy. I do think the like I'm I'm in on what the Cowboys did this offseason in terms of yep, don't overpay for running back in free agency, which I know there was a little bit of a caveat to that because they franchise tagged Tony Pollard, which I don't love. But they didn't try and sign a super high valuable backup yet. Fingers crossed that they don't sign Dalvin Cook. They didn't use a first round pick on a Bijan or a Jameer Gibbs, like some people thought they were, they wait until the sixth round. Like, I think they did it right. I'm just worried. Like is Tony Pollard. If he goes four weeks and he's starting to like show a little bit of wear and tear because he's never shouldered the burden of a 17 game schedule or he's the guy. I mean, we're taking, you're taking a little bit of a risk, but I'm willing to take that risk with Tony Pollard because of what he's shown us in the past. I think what's going to be really important is like Tony Pollard's, going to have to be the guy right they've paid yeah. the price for him at least this year to be the guy but what will be important about the success of the team is them finding that number two that number two that can come in yeah. and really do something in a series or two every once in a while just to keep tony pollard fresh because he becomes that new like closer at the end of a game right how we felt like when zeke in his heyday come in lean on you you get the first downs, get the clock going, put him out of their misery. Tony Paul is going to have to be that guy now, and he's never had to be that guy. So that's another interesting wrinkle in his career at this point. And I mean, I trust Tony Pollard to do it, but you're right. It, this is we're going to see something that we haven't seen before from Tony Pollard. And I mean, it, it can look it can look very pretty. It could also be a little bit interesting. So we'll see. But what's your last question? So it's my last question here is. One that I just thought of off the top of my head because we had shared a like one. But yeah. I wanted to talk about Jalen Tolbert. And we had talked about the question of Jalen Tolbert. There's a there's a position open for wide receiver four. We know who the three guys are. If healthy, yep. that's easy. Um, Anthony Antonio Callaway, not here anymore. We don't have to talk about that. I was wrong about that one. I was dead wrong about that one. Um, I thought he was in the wide receiver four mix. He's not there. Go ahead. To be fair, I do think he was in the wide receiver four mix? He was there. You couldn't right? have pre- you couldn't have predicted what happened. I fair enough. I'll leave it at that. Right? History says that maybe he had some issues, but fair enough. You couldn't have predicted what happened there. With that being said, a lot of positive reaction about Jalen Tolbert right now. There's a lot of positive things. People think that he took a step back to take two steps forward this year. They think year two could be a year that he really produces or shines like he should have. Um, the question is, is is that real or is that smoke? I mean, heading into the training camp, we need to see something from Jalen Tolbert. 
And I'll say, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend Michael Gelkin did an amazing piece. He interviewed Jalen Tolbert. He interviewed the wide receivers coach, coach asking about Jalen Tolbert, and it was fascinating to me. They both said the exact same thing. They said that the reason that it looks like Jalen Tolbert's taking another step this year is because he's gaining that wide receiver flexibility where he's no longer just like a slot, like quick guy. Like he's playing X, he's playing Y, he's playing Z, he's playing across the field and apparently lining up wherever the Cowboys need him to. And he's, by all accounts, re- looking really impressive. And according to Michael Gelkin, by far the biggest uh, wide receiver breakout of the on this team or wide receiver, I guess, what's, what's it called? Like biggest jump? Yeah, step, like jump a year up. two yeah. leap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, year two. Yeah, like biggest <laughs> leap has come from Jalen Tolbert. So you're right. The Cowboys need a fourth wide receiver. Somebody that, when C.D. Lamb, when Michael Gallup, when Brandon Cooks are gassed, they're going to step on the field and they're going to be the third slash second wide receiver in some cases on the yep. field. We need somebody who's going to be able to shoulder that burden. And if it's Jalen Tolbert, I think that's going to excite a lot of fans because we were all really hyped when he came, when we got him in the third round. Yeah, we like our first three guys. I mean, I think those three yeah. guys are going to be productive. But even when we had our first like original three, when it was like Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup, we still had games where Cedric Wilson was going off. We still had games yep. where Noah Brown had to be productive. So, you know, that fourth wide receiver, that fifth wide receiver is an important wrinkle to this Cowboys offense. Like, they'll go series in plays where, like, CD might be not in. You know what I mean? It might be Michael Gallup taking the rest. Like, there needs to be somebody that can be trusted. And, you know, Jalen Tolbert has all the talent in the world. I was one of those people among a lot of people that were singing his praises last year. So, I think how in you know, inefficient he was last year, got, took a lot of people by surprise. And I think some people need that little bit of a reality check is a lot of, we talked about earlier. There's a lot of stuff that goes into like the cerebral side of football. If if you're overthinking, you're a step slower. If you're, if you're overthinking, you might press. Like there's a lot of things that Jalen Tolbert probably stepped into was like, okay, this isn't Southern Alabama anymore. This is the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> in green Bay or Eagles or Philadelphia, wherever he was playing like Monday night football. So if he's comfortable in the system, they trust in him. He took it seriously. I mean, we're not asking a huge leap here. We're just asking this guy to be a quality number four. And I think that's really possible for Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. And that's one thing I'll say. I think that if we like, if you look at past NFL data in terms of who breaks out as a year two wide receiver, there's not a lot of strong evidence that like it's, it's pretty rare for a receiver to just literally come out of nowhere and take a year two leap. Like, it's not like don't expect Jalen Tolbert to be the new Tyree kill or like the next big thing at receiver. But I don't think it's asking a lot for him to be like a reliable wide receiver four moving forward. Like we've talked about, maybe even like progress into a wide receiver three eventually. Like I think we need to lower expectations. I don't think Jalen Tolbert's ever going to be the wide receiver two on this team, but that's okay because we need wide receiver fours. We need wide receiver, which I think like the card, a world exists where he's a wide receiver three one day. So you never like, Yes, he's not going to, he's like, even though the data says he's not, he's not going to break out and be this, the next superstar wide receiver. We don't need him to be at this point. We have CeeDee Lamb. We have Brandon Cooks. We have Michael Gallup, at least for a little bit. Jalen, just, if you can fill the role as wide receiver four, I will be thrilled. Well, let me ask you, let me put you on the spot here. What would be a moderately achievable statistic line that you're like, okay, Jalen Tolbert, like did what he needed to do this year. I think if Jalen Tolbert hits 
considering he had three receptions last year, if I'm not mistaken, I <laughs> yeah, think he hit three, three receptions four, last yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. So I think a world exists where he hits 50 receptions for mm. 600-ish yards. I think, like, that world, like, that's obviously, that's my upper, like, yeah. a good year for Jalen Tolbert. But I also think, like, if he hits 50 for 600, I'm, have, I'm, I'm thrilled yeah. with that. I'd actually be cool with almost half of that. Like if you give me like 30 okay. for like 350 and like four touchdowns, like from a f- number four wide receiver, it's like respectable. I mean, Gallup's going to get his touches. Cook's going to get his touches. You know, CD obviously going to get his touches. The two or three tight ends are going to get their touches. So if he's able to just get 20 plus receptions and, and maybe move the chains a few times in the season, just have the threat and the presence to make plays like, I think that's all we need. Just the 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 ability to to show a threat is what I'm looking for. You mentioned uh, Cedric Wilson. I think Cedric Wilson's like to me in my mind like uh, the perfect wide receiver for. Do you see, yeah. disagree? Like that no, one twenty twenty one season was like that was like an ideal wide receiver four season. Do you guess his stat line? Do you remember his stat line from that year? So I'm a little biased because he had a great game against the Patriots and I was there for it. So I know he he hooped out in uh what is that 2021? So yeah, I don't know what his numbers are, but he played well that year. So like to us, like what we perceive as a great wide receiver for season was only 45 for 602. So I think yeah. that goes to your point. He doesn't need to need do that. a lot. I don't yeah, even exactly, need that. Yeah. You know, like that wider that wide receiver for season got him paid by paid. Miami and then they decide now we'll just, we just won't use you at all like a bunch of <laughs> Miami send him back to us we could I would please, love that we want Cedric Wilson yeah I would take Cedric but, back Cedric back in oh, a heartbeat yeah. make Jalen wide receiver yeah. five and make Cedric Wilson wide receiver four and I think we'd be all set let's roll they they used him as a special teams guy that that infuriated me yeah. I was like Cedric why you could have stuck in Dallas and been, been a 45 and 600 guy yeah i i totally agree i like Cedric and our second best quarterback on the roster at that point <laughs> yeah and he had the trickeration he's throwing yeah. touchdown passes so yeah no i think i think jalen tolbert's numbers will be moderate to a casual but if he's able to get what you're saying i mean we're over the moon you know what i mean we're oh, absolutely yeah. over the moon with that so um i, love I do it. i do want to once again preface that was to me the upper limit of Jalen Tolbert. I am in no way expecting yeah, no, 50 don't for expect 600. It. Yes. Hope, hope for the best, but it, have <laughs> yeah. a real expectation. Like I'm yeah. saying, if he can legitimately get like 30 receptions, 350 yards, and like four touchdowns, I'm cool. I'm cool with I'm that. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fun. That was a fun conversation. There's a lot of questions. I mean, we brought up three apiece, a couple of them. So I think all, all in all, it was like six questions. We could have did this seg- segment again, and we'd still have plenty of questions to talk about. So, and maybe I we had will. six, I had six questions just in case <laughs> for some reason our three questions exactly overlapped. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And it's that time of year to really dissect and look at it because once we're on and running and we're here and they're in Oxnard, Oxnard, California in July, it's it's football. It's go time. Like we're talking about preseason game, Hall of Fame game that week. So it's going to come fast. I know they're going to enjoy this summer. I know we're going to enjoy our summer, but more so than anything, we're going to enjoy talking about it here on the First and Ten podcast. So for another episode, another great episode, I had fun. I hope you had fun, Aiden. Yeah. Uh, if awesome. So from again, for another First and Ten episode brought to you by Blog and the Boys, powered by SB Nation. Hope you guys had a great time. Enjoy it and uh, see you next week. Peace.